Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Today, like I said, we are continuing our collection, and uh, man, this collection has been so incredible. We got our Endure journals as we're talking through the book of 1 Peter. And for me, so many of these messages have been life-changing. So many of these messages have been helpful because talking about 1 Peter, first of all, just who wrote the book? Well, it was Peter, the apostle. And he was a disciple of Jesus, a very close friend of Jesus, one of Jesus's 12. And sometimes, yo, Oliver Peter gets a bad rap. Sometimes we just think of Peter as getting out of the boat and trying to walk on the water, not quite making it to Jesus. Sometimes we think of Peter just denying Jesus three times. Sometimes we just think of Peter as cutting off the ear of the centurion, but Peter laid the foundation of the church of Jesus Christ, so much so that Jesus, before he went to heaven, he looked at Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And 1 Peter is written by Peter to a group of believers in the new church. They're part of the Roman Empire. And there's some new truths and some new speakers and teachers that are coming up. And all Peter is doing is saying, hey, I know there's some cool information out there. Hey, I know there's some new teaching, but let me remind you who we are called to be as children of God. Two weeks ago, we talked through the five keys to relationship endurance. Last week, Pastor Rich brought such an important word on how to suffer well. Today, we're gonna to be going to 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Will you go with me there? It says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, somebody type in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. Today, I feel like God has put a word on my heart and I'm so excited to share it. Just for the next few minutes, I wanna speak to you from the title, The Road to glory, the road to glory. Come on, let's pray together right now. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray that as we open up this letter to your early church, that it would speak to us today in our present circumstance. God, change us by your word. In your precious name we pray. Everybody said amen. Come on, can we put our hands together right now wherever you are? The road to glory, First Peter 4. Have you ever been like to a party or to an event and you think you're going for one reason, but really it, it wasn't that reason at all? My wife, uh, she went to a party this past Friday. When I say party, COVID has changed the way that parties look. It's more of like a gathering of like eight girls, right? But some of the girls that were invited to this party, they started seeing how elaborate this invitation was. It was like an 80s, 90s theme. They were gonna have a full karaoke. They brought in a magician to like do some tricks. I mean, this was like, this was a serious party, okay? I don't know how you guys party outside of Miami, but here in Miami, we like to have a good time. 
We like to get together. We like to enjoy each other's company. And because of the elaborate invitation to this party, some of the women thought that it was the hostess birthday. So they showed up to the party, not just in their 80s and 90s outfits, but they showed up with gifts and like cards and they walked through the door and they're like, yo, happy birthday. We're so excited that you invited us. I hope you had the best day. And she's like, yo, it's not my birthday. We're just having a little get together. And you see what Peter's doing in chapter four is he's clarifying why we're even here on this earth. But that party needed it. It just needed someone to clarify, hey, this is the reason we're having this party. I just need a night from the kids. It's not because it's my birthday. And that's what Peter chapter four is doing. Is I believe that Peter is clarifying the goal for us as believers. Not that our goal as believers should be to live this life, to be happy, to get our dream job, to retire at 65, to have 18 grandkids and rest easy on a boat. That's not exactly what we're called to as a believers, but I am believing for some of it. <laughs> what we're called to as believers that First Peter chapter four is reminding us is that as believers, we are called to live our lives to glorify and honor God in all that we He's making it plain and simple that the glory is not for you, the comfort's not for you, but the glory is meant for God. The glory is meant for God. And I think that takes some pressure off of us. And I think that makes our job and our mission a little bit more clear. But here's the deal. I believe that in 1 Peter chapter four, he doesn't just tell us the goal, which is to give God glory, but he lays out a roadmap of how to get there. He helps us with specifics of us leading a life that would give God the glory. We've, we've learned how to suffer well. Now he's trying to teach us how we're gonna live well. And the first thing that Peter deals with at the beginning of chapter four is getting past our past. Read with me. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of, somebody say the rest of, their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past. Oh, this is, this is an important verse for somebody on a Sunday right now. Because the first step on giving God the glory, the first step on the road to glory is we have to get past our past. And what Peter says is as a result of, as a result of the decision that you've made to follow Christ, you're putting sin to the side. Does that mean that we're never gonna sin again? No, of course, we're gonna stumble on the way. But no longer are our lives meant to just please our sinful, evil desires. But now our lives are lived with God in the rightful place, in the kingship of our lives. 
But the specific language that jumped off the page at me whenever I, whenever I first read 1 Peter chapter four is the rest of, the rest of. That they will not live the rest of. You see, the rest of really jumped out at me because I believe so many times in 2020, we underestimate the rest of. I'm trying to tell somebody I think so many times we think if we start one way that God can't use the rest of it. I believe truly, even look at this year, I believe that we judge our jobs. I believe that we judge our relationships. I, I believe that we judge our dating relationships. I believe that we judge our friendships, our families, our years by how they start. That if it started like this, surely the rest of it only could get worse but I think we're forgetting the God of the rest of. I, for, I think we're forgetting the resume that our God has with the rest of. You see, the Bible that I read, it says that God took the rest of the water and he turned it into wine. That God took the rest of the five loaves and the two fish and he fed the 5,000. That God took the rest of the widow's oil and he gave her more than enough. All God is looking for is the rest of. All you have is all you need. And I promise you, he's gonna take the rest of your job. He's gonna take the rest of your season. He's gonna take the rest of your family. He's gonna take the rest of 2020 to do things. Woo! He's gonna take the rest of 2020 to do things that we could not imagine. Why? Because God takes the rest and he makes it our best. God takes the rest and he makes it our best. And somebody needs to claim that today. Somebody needs to put your hand over your heart. I see you on the Zoom. Come on, right here in the studio at the Silver Spot Theater, making a little bit of noise. Somebody needs to place your hand over your heart and say the rest of is the best of. Look, all God is asking for is the rest of what you have. That's all he needs. But I believe exactly what verse three says. Some of us have spent enough time in the past. Oh, enough time, man. You, you've stayed there too long. Now it's time to step out as a result of the decision you've made. Now it's time. You spent enough time in the past. You know, the past is really not a bad place to visit, right? Reminisce on the good old days. Take a stroll down memory lane. But the past is a terrible place to live. Because the past wants to hold you back from the future that God has placed on the inside of you. You know, sometimes, Pilar, uh, before I go to sleep, I set my alarm. Not always, because sometimes I like to sleep in. It's changing a little bit with Ellie James being born, you know? But most nights I set my alarm before I go to bed. And when, sometimes when I'm setting my alarm, I'm trying to get an early night's rest, a little notification at the top of my phone will pop up. And it's IG, AKA the devil, AKA get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and it's just a little notification. It's just of a post or someone commenting on this or somebody that posted that. And I click on it, it's usually a friend and I see their post and I see another friend's post and and I see my page and then see this page and 45 minutes later, is it just me? Oh, no, okay, thank you. 
thank you. 45 minutes later, I swear, Instagram has like the ability to warp time. It's like, it's, you're not actually spending 45 minutes on IG. It's like IG has the power over time and they just fast forward it. Five, 45 minutes later, you're like, what did I just do? I was gonna get an early night's rest, man. I finally got in bed at 9.30 p.m. Now it's 10.30 again. I'm in the same position I was last week. Why? Because of one notification. And I think some of us are still living in the past, not because our whole past is holding us back, but because of one person, but because of one habit, but because of one season, but because of one failure, but because of one mistake. Man, some of you need to understand that it's time to move forward because you have spent enough time in the past. You gotta dismiss that notification. It's time to move forward. And here's the deal, I'm talking to the sinners and the saints, doc. Because here's the language that I'm hearing so much right now. Man, I can't wait to go back. Man, I can't wait till VU is back the way it used to be. Man, I can't wait till church is back the way it used to be, but I think we're underestimating the rest of. I think we've spent enough time in the past. We already did church that way. It's time to move forward. Hey, the good old days mentality will rob you of the best is yet to come mindset. That's not the Bible I read. The Bible I read says there is more. The Bible I read says there is hope. The Bible I read says I have a plan. The Bible I read says the best days are not behind you, but the best days are in front of you. It's gonna make the rest of your best of. So Peter, on this road to glory, and the first step, it's so simple. The first step is you just gotta leave the place in which you are. You gotta leave your past behind. But what Peter does in chapter four is then he moves us into verse eight. And after moving past our past, he's teaching us to love deeply. Somebody say love, love. deeply. Somebody type in the chat, love deeply. Love deeply. Verse eight says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, I've been married in July for five years to my high school sweetheart, Ms. Blair Elizabeth Buckman Duran. That's my homie, that's my girl. In March, we'll be 10 years together. I mean, this is substantial time, you know what I'm saying? And we just had our first little girl. Her name is Elizabeth James Duran. We call her Ellie James, good Southern Belle name, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and whenever I read to love deeply, there's two people there's two girls that I love deeply, it's those two. They have my heart forever. I'm obsessed with them. And I have a feeling there are people in your life that you love deeply. And I think if Peter was just saying, yo, love your homies, love your BFFs, love your wives, love your families deeply, I think we could all check the box and really move on. I think it would be pretty easy, but what Peter is saying is love all people deeply because love 
covers. Somebody type that right now, love covers. Come on, silver spot, say it loud. Say love covers. He's not just saying those we love. He's saying all people. And I know I'm with you, dog. I'm like, yo, Peter, you don't know 2020, dog. (laughs) You don't know the IG comments these days, man. You don't know what the news looks like. All people may have been possible back then. It ain't possible right now because all people includes people who have wronged you. Includes people who have hurt you. Includes people who look different than you. Includes people who believe differently than you. Not just you, but us. (laughs) Includes people that think Christians are not smart individuals for thinking that we believe in a God. Peter's including them all. He's saying love all people. Here's the deal. Logic would said, Peter, you don't know all people in 2020. I can't love all those people who've hurt me, who have wronged me, who believe differently than me. But here's what I would say. Love makes a fool out of logic. Love makes a fool out of logic. And this is not a call in 1 Peter 4 to be logical. This is a call in 1 Peter chapter 4 to love. Because guess what? Logic it cancels, but love, it covers. Logic is envious, but love, it does not envy. Logic keeps score, but love keeps no record of wrongs. Logic keeps your circle small, but love makes your circle large. Logic. Logic would lead us to live a life, to only love those who deserve it, when in fact, you and I don't even deserve it. And so if you're waiting to give the world all that you got until they deserve it, today's the day that Peter's saying, hey, it's time to give the world all you got because they're never gonna deserve it. But guess what? You're called to love because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers, man. And this is such a message for 2020, but I was looking at some different message translations and the passage translation, the message translation, it says it this way. Love makes up for practically anything. How good is that? It's like, maybe you have some some tiffs with some people, but guess what? Love makes up for it. The passion translation says, above all, constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over multitude of sins. And this is when I think it gets clearer for us than ever, because now he's saying echo. So he's saying repeat. He's saying imitate somebody else. And he, the person that he's saying to imitate, the person that he's saying to repeat, the person that he's saying to echo is Jesus. Echo God's love for us because isn't this the gospel? You know, I just picture God and Jesus in heaven and they're like having conversations. They're like, Jesus, you think we're, you really wanna go down there and save those people? It's like, what is that conversation? What I know is it wasn't logic that drove Jesus from heaven to save us. Because guess what? We never deserved it. 
but it was love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The only reason that you and I can walk into the throne of God with hands lifted high, with our voice raised, is because our love is covered by the blood of the lamb. And it's so funny how Christians can sit with their arms crossed and point the finger and say, oh, I can't believe them, I can't believe them. Well, what do we think, we're the judges? Do you think that God called you to be the judge? God did not call you to be the judge. God called you to love and to echo the love that loved first before anybody else deserved it. How thankful are you for a God who stepped in the gap and said, no, you are covered, I got you. And how it's time for us to do the same to our neighbor. You know how I think that we could change the world right now? It's by loving deeply. It's by loving deeply. It's so funny, man. I was watching the news the other day and literally there were two guys who were on opposing political parties who had signs in their yard that were still friends. And there was a picture of them that were, they were hugging in the middle of their two yards with the different political parties. And it made national news. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> it's gotten really bad. That's how scarce love is that two dudes that are neighbors forever can be friends and vote for different people. Oh Jesus, help us now. Is that how scarce it is? Because if that's the case, oh, what an opportunity that we have in this season as Christ followers. What an opportunity to bring love back in our jobs, to bring love back in our families, to bring love back in our schools, to bring love back into our communities. My friends, you wanna make a difference? Love your neighbor that's voting for the different guy. Maybe more importantly, then making national news, maybe you'll make an impact on your neighbor. Here's what I know. As we love deeply, we are posturing ourselves to serve effectively because you can't serve without loving and you can't love without serving. So Peter, on this beautiful road to glory, hey, Christ followers, I'm gonna help you live your lives in a way that bring glory to God. The first thing he says is make your decision. Get past your past. Stop letting that thing hold you back. Stop letting that person hold you back. Stop letting that mistake hold you back. And then he's saying, love deeply. Love when people don't deserve it because that's what Christ did for you. And the next place that Peter really brings us is, is really a point that I think that we really love in today's day and age, and it's to use our gifts. Come on, somebody say that right here. Say, use our gifts. Verse 10, it says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If you're reading along in your Bible, just underline stewards. For faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. Use your 
gifts. Use your gifts that I have given you. That's pretty cool, right? You know, there's different things in Christianity and theology that sometimes Christians actually argue about. I know it's crazy, Christians arguing, I couldn't imagine. But it's true. Sometimes there are different theologies that, that we can kind of say, oh, I interpret it this way, I interpret it this way. But guess what? Reading this week, I was reading an article that this is really one thing that nobody really argues about. God placed gifts on the inside of you. You know what that means? You are one of one. <laughs> you are unique. God made you. And when he made you, he didn't like put you in the copy machine and make a copy. He just made you. You're original. Psalm 139 says it this way, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Come on, this is our response. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. There's so much about that scripture that I love when it talks about the gifts that God's placed on the inside of us. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I believe whenever he was knitting you together, he was placing those gifts on the inside of you. But I love the second part of that gift. It says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you are sad. Some of you are angry. Some of you are anxious. Some of you are depressed about the, some of the gifts that God has placed on the inside of you. And you need to hear today that you know, my friend, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the God of the heavens and the earth. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about using our gifts. What are the gifts that God has given us? I believe really there's two realms. There's your personality gifts and your personality strengths. And those are what companies right now are making millions and millions and millions of dollars helping you and I to identify things like the Enneagram, things like the Strength Finder, things like the DISC test. Oh, there's a million of them. And I just, I just take them until I get answers that I like. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Man, it's so cool, some of the different strengths that they give you. <laughs> they tell you if you're a strategic thinker, tell you if you're creative, tell you if you're a leader, tell you if you're good at communicating, tell you if you're an influence, Enneagram. That's a fun one that people love. Tells you if you're a challenger. Tells you if you're an enthusiast. Shout out to the sevens. I know, I'm all wrapped in. Focus on the word. Um, there's certain personality gifts that God has given you. And those are to be stewarded correctly. On the other side of your personality, we believe that God has placed spiritual gifts on the inside of you. You say, what are spiritual gifts? They're gifts that you use when you're doing the ministry of God. What's the ministry of God? It's the work of God. You say, okay, Dakota, I, I got all these incredible psychologists and people that have put together these Enneagram and disc tests and shrink finder tests. How do I identify my spiritual gifts? Well, number one, we also have a test for you at Growth Track Step 3. <laughs> it's like, turns into a sales pitch, you know? You can go to the Growth Track and you can take a test, honestly, and it asks you some questions. It might pull that out of you, but on a practical way, not using that cop-out answer, there's three ways that you can really start to identify the spiritual gifts in your life. And the first one for me is getting plugged into community. 
Whenever you get plugged into your local church community and you start doing the work of God, I think others and you can begin to quickly identify, oh, this is what God has blessed me with. This is how God uses me to make a difference. Get plugged into a community if you wanna identify those gifts. Number two, how has God used you to minister to those around you? Man, you're already a Christ follower right now. And I know that God is using you to make a difference in your workplace and your families. Just be observant of that. How is God using me in my everyday life? It's probably a spiritual gift. Number three, what breaks your heart? When I say what breaks your heart, what problem do you observe that you want to bring the light of Jesus into? What breaks your heart? How do you wanna help build the kingdom? I think those are three practical ways to identify your gift, but here's what's so important. As you identify your gift, what I want you to make sure you understand is you are not identifying your identity. Because your gifting, hear me, I know we all like to talk about gifts. Yo, this is who I am. My gift is sick, bro. Like, what does that even mean? Your gifting is not your identity. And some people are so desperate to find their gift because they believe if they find their gift, then they find their purpose. And they believe if they find their purpose, then they can find their worth. And here's what I wanna remind somebody today, that your gifting is not at all tied to your worth. Oof, our worth comes from our position not our gift. Gifts are what you do. Your position in the kingdom of God is who you are. So on your pursuit to develop the gifts that God's put on the inside of you, do not think that you're on the pursuit to find out who you are because he's already told you. Look at John 1:12. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Come on, claim that right now. I'm a child of God. Romans 8, 17. Now if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You are an heir of God. Isaiah 43, 4. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. The God of the universe, that's what he speaks over you today, that he loves you. In 1 Peter Chapter two, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special possession. Let me tell you something. Whenever you look in the mirror today, don't look in the mirror thinking you are what you do. You are, my friend, who he says that you are. And he says that you're a child of God. He says that you're an heir of Christ. He says that you're his special possession. So on our pursuit to use our gifts, we should understand that's just the grace that God has placed on our lives, but it's not who God is telling us that we are. No, he's made it very clear in scripture who you are. And he made it very clear in scripture, your relationship with your gift. Chapter, in verse 10, it says, faithful stewards. He says, you are faithful stewards. Type that in the chat right now. Say faithful stewards. Because it says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know what the steward means? It means to manage or look after someone else's property. <laughs> it means to manage or look after someone else's property. You know what that means? Your gift is not even yours. Wow. You know what you are? You are your gift's manager. 
You are your gift's talent agent. Question is, how are you using God's property? Oh, this is a convicting question for me. How are you using God's property? You see in the Bible and scripture, Jesus, he teaches throughout the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And oftentimes when Jesus preaches, he teaches through parables, he teaches through stories. And Jesus really taught us how that we should steward what God has given us. Happens in Matthew chapter 25. To put it in 2020 terms, to summarize the story, it's, it's this boss man, it's this wealthy dude. And he's like, yo, telling his company, I wanna go on vacation. I'm gonna go on Miami Beach. I wanna live my best life. I wanna take a few months off. I wanna kick my feet up. I wanna sip on a virgin pina colada. I wanna go hard. <laughs> what he does before he leaves, though, is he calls a few of his, few of his employees over. He says, hey, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you three some items that you need to take care of for me. Says, hey, with you, I'm gonna give you five talents. With you, I'm gonna give you two talents. With you, I'm gonna give you one talent. So he gives them different amounts, but I believe he has the same expectation. So the boss man, he leaves. He's out there in Miami Beach in the fountain blue, going hard. Few months go by, he's like, you know what? I gotta get back to work. Comes back, comes back to his company. They're excited, ah, the boss is home. He says, yo, you three, come over here. I wanna see what you did with, with the money that I gave you. And the one with five and the one with two, they both had the same answer. Yo, boss, I grinded 24-7, seven days a week, no days off, team no sleep. And I doubled your investment. The one with five gave him 10. The one with two gave him four. And then he said, okay. He said this, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. Now I will set you over much. Oh, how good is that? You've been faithful with little. Now I will set you over much. Somebody is not happy with the little that they've been given. But if you just would steward it, I believe God would start to set you over much. So he called the one, the one who he gave the little, the one you would think would want the most to grow the gift that God has placed on the inside of him. He said, what did you do? He said, God, I just didn't wanna lose this thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I buried it. I buried it because I didn't wanna lose it. I didn't wanna mess up what you had given me. I was afraid. So here's the talent back exactly the way you gave it to me. You know what the master called him? Master called him wicked and slothful. The master was not happy. The master was thinking, I gave you the ability to create. I gave you the ability to grow. I gave you the ability to invest. And this is how you treat what I give you. I believe that this is a picture for us. Not that God would call us wicked or not that God would call us slothful, but I think there is an expectation that what you do with what he has given you. 
See, I hope that our decision to follow Christ, oh man, I hope it hasn't made us apathetic, that we check off the box and we say, oh, I'm making it to heaven, I'm cool. The work is done. No, the work has just started. Now it's our turn to try to bring as many people with us as we can to heaven. I think we should be the business innovators. I think that we should be the forward thinkers. I think that we should challenge the status quo. I think that we should be pushing our industries forward so that we can maximize. Do you hear me today? so that we can maximize what God has placed on the inside of you. I think he has an expectation on us, but I think he's also given us the tools to do exactly what he's called us to do. But I think sometimes God looks down and he sees us like flexing with this gift that ain't even ours. He's like looking down, we're just like, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Yeah, it's what I do. Yeah. It's like, bro, that's not even yours. Like, you ever done that? You ever pulled up in your homie's whip? Like, it's way doper than yours. You're like, yeah. For me, I have a funny story. A couple years ago, I was given tickets to sit on the floor at the NBA Finals. It's when the San Antonio Spurs were having their epic battles with the Miami Heat led by LeBron James. And man, my homie's dad gave me and him four tickets to multiple of these games. You know, at first it's like, yo, this is the sickest thing ever, dog. But real quick, it gets to your head. I mean, let me warn you. Start walking past security. Then like, sir, you're like, bam, I'm good, man. <laughs> Insane play happens, alley-oop, LeBron, oh, hanging on the rim. Everybody else in the rafters is like, yeah. But on the floor, it's not what you do. You just, yeah, what a play, what a play. Start flexing for no reason, acting like you've been there forever. You ain't been there, dog. The thing is, I started having the conversations with the people on the, on the floor. And I forget that they're probably pretty influential people if they're sitting on the floor at the finals. So I'm like, yo, what do you do? They're like, oh, I'm a CEO of one of the largest energy services companies in the world. What do you do? I'm like, <clears throat> uh, I'm just here because my friend, his dad, had given me some tickets and not yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a college student. I got a 3-2 GPA though. Like, it's like, why are you even flexing, dog? It's not even yours to begin with. But so often, this is what we do with the gift that God has given us. Here's what I wanna tell you. Because this gift has been given to you, arrogance or insecurity about your gift should not exist because this is what God placed on the inside of you. And what he's asking us to do is to steward it well. Because guess what? The God who created the gift gets to decide what it's used for. Creator determines use. Creator determines use. We're on this road to glory. We're on the road to doing our best as Christ followers, to lead a life that gives him all the glory. Starts with making a decision. Starts with getting past our past. Starts with loving deeply. And we use our gifts, but why do we even use our gifts in the first place? Let me tell you why. It's so that we can serve others. Look at what it says. Let verses 10, 11, and 12 be your gift guide. It says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to 
serve others. Type that in the chat right now, man. Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. We use our gifts to serve. We use our gifts to serve. We don't use our gifts to flex. We don't use our gift for our gain. We use our gifts to serve and to bring him glory. So here's a question. Are you using your gifts to serve yourself or to serve God? To serve yourself or serve God? Because here's what I know. If you have a serving problem, you have a loving problem. That's why that was our second stop on the road to glory. We already got there. You love deeply because love covers. And if you love, you give. And if you love, you serve. So if you wanna serve others, it starts with just loving. But you guess what? Serving doesn't really require your gifts. I think whenever you bring your gifts to serving, oh, what God can do. But I think there are some fundamentals. We don't like that word. There are some fundamentals to serving. And these fundamentals have no requirement of gifts. You know, one of my pastors, her name is Manushka Charles. <laughs> one of my best friends. And Manushka posted something on Instagram this week of course, we were discussing our sermon, so I think it stirred her spirit. <laughs> she said, God has been making my calling clearer and clearer. And the funny thing is, it has little to do with my gift. She went on to write things that require no talent that she feels like she's called to do. Being available to people, saying kind words, and showing compassion and empathy. Guess what, people? These are the fundamentals of serving. And we don't have to give ourselves an elaborate checklist, take all these personality assessments, take all these spiritual guests just to be able to serve. No, you can serve today with what you already know, with what you already have, that we're in a broken and dying and hurting world and it just needs some people to say it's not my job to serve myself. It's my job to serve others. So on this road to glory, the reason I believe that he even says to use our gifts is to make sure that we understand what we have available to us to serve. So on the road to glory and giving God all the glory and all the praise, we have to leave the past behind. We have to love deeply. We have to use our gifts to serve others. To what? To bring God all the glory. Hey, unique gift, uniform mandate. Unique gift, you were made one of one. Uniform mandate as the person that's to your right and to your left right now. All of our mandate was to live our lives, to give glory and to give honor to the only one who deserves it. You know, I've been thinking, man, how's God gonna really move for the rest of this year? 
What does he wanna do? What does he wanna do in 2021? I do believe that the best is yet to come. I'm not gonna believe that the good old days are gone. No, I believe that God always has more. And I've just been thinking, man, how cool would it be if, if God moved in a way that he's never moved before? How cool would it be if God breathed a fresh fire on his church? How cool would it be if God did something so special in our lives that the world couldn't help but stop and turn around and say, what is happening there? I need some of that. I, here's what I know. I, I believe that God wants to do that. But I believe it's gonna take us living for his glory and giving him the glory. And, and I think some of us were like hearing this and I hope you're not misunderstanding me because I'm trying to be clear, but I hope that you don't think that I'm saying that like what the church needs is for as many people to work for churches and only be in churches and only be employees of churches to bring revival. No, what I'm trying to say is if we wanna see something new, we have to realize that we are the church. You already are the church, regardless of your job, regardless of your occupation, regardless of your age, that's who you are. And if we wanna see revival, we have to understand that the only place that God can get glory is not just here on Sundays in church, but it's through every act that we do. Every time we encourage, every time we pray, every time we live, every time we go to work, God can get the glory. It's just a matter of, are you gonna give it to him? Are you even living with that intention? Are you walking into work each day going, yo, I think I'm gonna be here for five years. What can God do in five years? I know I probably can't stand up and preach in my workplace right now, but I can, I can, I can impact the guy next to me in, in my cubicle. And after that, I, I can probably have another conversation like six months later with it. Are we even living with that intention? Or are we living with the separation mindset? Because that, is the easiest way to stifle something great that God wants to do in our time. Separate. Separate your IG in church. Separate your work in church. Separate your family in church. Separation, because that's not what God is after at all. He's not after all of us becoming preachers. He's not after all of us becoming pastors. He's after all of us giving him the glory. So what does that mean? I'm a mom. I serve my family to give God the glory. I'm a creator and I create to give God the glory. I'm a coach and I serve my team to give God the glory. I'm a business leader and I go to work every day to give God the glory. I'm a Christ follower and I live every second with the intention of giving God all the praise and all the glory. Mm. So here's the question. Peter has mapped out this road. He said, you gotta leave your past. You said, you gotta love others deeply. Use your gifts to serve others, to give God the glory. Here's the question. Will you take that road? Here's what I know. It's a road less traveled. It's a narrow path, the Bible says. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. Some of us are wondering why we've paved this road 
to our dreams and we finally arrived. <laughs> and we're not happy. It's because a dream without God is a nightmare in disguise. God's saying, it's not even the destination that it's gonna bring you the fulfillment. It's the journey. It's the journey. It's the journey that's gonna change your life. It's the journey that's gonna change your attitude. It's the journey that's gonna change your mindset. It's the journey that's gonna change your family. It's the journey that's gonna change your business. The journey that's gonna change your life. It's the journey that's gonna change your relationship with God. It's the road to glory. Guess what this road is about? It's about loving God and loving people. But I love what, I love what Peter ends with. He doesn't just say, to him be the glory for the way that you lived. He said to him, be the glory forever and ever, amen. And I think it's a reminder. I think it's a reminder for you and for me that this earth will fade, but heaven remains. You know what scripture says? It says that this life is but a vapor. It's here one day and it's gone the next. We don't have much time. And the question is, will you use the one life that you got, the one that he gave you, the gifts he graced you with, to give him all the glory, to give him all the honor forever and ever, amen. Come on, one more time. I think we should sing it out. And I think we should remind ourselves that the glory is his. Come on, will you sing? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.